Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode nine of Adam Learns Random Stuff. Today, I'm talking to Fratima Pandey. Fratima is a former colleague and friend of mine. Uh, we work together in California. She is a social justice attorney, and she is an executive leadership at the County of Santa Clara. So welcome, Fratima. And I understand from our earlier conversation that you have a few questions for me that you'd like to kick off. So let's let's go ahead with those. Thank you, Adam. And yes, I emailed you and said I'll appear on the podcast if you let me ask you a couple of questions because you've been having fun all these months. So my first question is very simply, if you think about the randomness of what you've learned, give me three top level things that you have learned in your random podcast. Because I, I can rattle out three things I've learned by listening to it. So go. Hmm. How much I like talking to old friends. That's beautiful. And yes, check. That was on my list. A too. deep understanding of one of my oldest friends and the work that he's done for a large part of his life. That was hard for me to understand previously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And other people's experiences. Hmm. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. And my second question is related to the first question answers, which is, you don't have to take names, but if you have names, that's great. Who would be your um, North Star guest? Your bestest Everest? I don't know. Pick. Go. Oh, I'm not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. I'm sorry. Snap. Can't do it. I, I can't I do it. I really can't. Everybody everybody has their own things that have been wonderful about them. Um, I would say really, and to be fair, I referenced oh, no, this no. in my I'm first- I'm not asking about who you interviewed. I'm asking oh, if you could oh, bring okay. on anybody. If I could have anybody on the podcast, who would I like to learn from? Oh, man. Go. Go. That's tough. Uh-huh. Oh, that's really hard. All right, pick two. Fine, Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, boy. You, that's a good question, Protima. Um, Listen, I'm a lawyer by profession. What were you thinking? <laughs> I wasn't going to give you lowball questions. <laughs> okay, well, I'll give you a, a hardball lawyer. I'd love to talk to Kamala Harris. Ooh. Um, yeah, I think I'll be a fly she would probably... Wall. She would, she would be somebody I would love to talk to. Um, I was so excited when she announced her campaign just down the street from where we used to work. And I just think she would be wonderful to talk to. So I wow. think that, that, might be, that might be my top, to be fair. Okay. Let's put that in the universe. We'll put that in the universe. Uh, Vice President Harris, Adam Stone wants to learn <laughs> random stuff from you. No, seriously, listen. Yeah. You never know. You never know. You never know. Put it in the universe. All right, go. You get to now ask. Thank hey, you we for were both in Oakland me. for a time. Yes. No, right? no, thank you. That was a great question. I apologize that I uh, didn't quite get the context off the bat. But Oh, yeah. I wasn't going to okay. make sure among great... your friends. <laughs> Here's the magic of audio editing. I can just edit all that crap out, even what I'm saying right now. Oh, I am going to so write about it if you edit it, my friend. <laughs> I heard it and you said it, so go. (laughs) Okay. So 
now I get we guess we get to switch it around and I'm going to ask you some questions. So um, before we came on to record tonight, we discussed a little bit about what we were going to talk about. And we were talking previously about our ability to bring our whole selves to the workplace. And you had mentioned, which I think is a really big and important piece of that, bringing our humor in and how that can work. So I wanted to talk about that. And and you wanted to talk about that. So let's talk about it. Yes. No, thank you for that. Because I, I feel that we think about work as this, this place which has a lot of rules, regulations, do's, don'ts. And through the COVID pandemic, We've all had to change the way we work with our colleagues, given that, you know, our kiddos are running on our screen and the doorbell is ringing and what have Mm -hmm. you. And one of the things that I have always found important is connecting with your colleagues helps build a better rapport for a better product, service, or program, whatever it is that you're doing with your colleagues. Mm -hmm. And I found that letting loose a little bit, being open to being silly within the boundaries Mm -hmm. that work allows you to is important. But of course, for a second, if I wear my lawyer hat, there are so many do's and don'ts. So I want to be very clear that what I'm sharing is that there is a way for us to build humor into our relationship. Even if we're leading a team, for example, we're leading a project, being silly about something without upsetting anybody mm-hmm. and yet showing I am a human being much like you. I enjoy some things and I like humor. And I've had to I've had to watch very carefully what happens in the workplace when you're trying to be funny, especially mm-hmm. as you are in a leadership role or maybe you are responsible for a group of people or a product or an outcome. And I, 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 you know, what I was saying to you when we were chatting was there's no perfect time where you can bring humor no. and it's okay. But, you know, you could find and you can find opportunities, you know, like if there, there's a very oft, often used phrase, uh, you know, about karma and they'll say, oh, yeah, karma or whatever. and Often in my workplace, I'm the only real mm-hmm. deal, legit Hindu. And I, I, every time I hear that, I pipe up and say, <laughs> hey, I'm the Hindu in the room. I got dibs on karma. What do you want to know? And then they'll all be like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and some of them, some of them kind of don't know how to react. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just trying to say, say whatever you want about karma. I'll sit here and correct you because I got the PhD on karma. <laughs> You know, and it kind of breaks the ice a little bit. I'm not yeah. saying that, you know, it's okay to make fun of religion or whatever. I, I, I'm just breaking the ice on something that I connect with very closely. And I'm demonstrating to them that I'm not just this, let's work, let's get to our minutes, right. let's get to the agenda. Take a moment, take a moment and be silly just to kind of set the tone. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I think that in particular that that particular piece of humor and that kind of humor, which is self-referential, 
and to a certain degree, a little bit self-deprecating, which I certainly fall into. I definitely think that that is my style of humor greatly is self-deprecating, um, but but self-referential and in particular in a way which if somebody else were to say it would be probably really offensive. But you saying it probably puts people a little bit on the back foot in a way, which is good because that kind of opens the conversation a little bit about things that are a little bit tricky, can be tricky in the workplace. Yes, that's true. And that's why I began by, of course, I can't shake my lawyer habit of disclaiming, but I kind of sort of <laughs> began by disclaiming, right? That this is not, this is not something that I'm, I'm silly about. I'm, I'm not flippant about it. I'm serious right. about it. Uh, I'm serious about humor, which is a sentence and it's a proper sentence. I challenge you. It's a proper mm -hmm. sentence. And why am I serious about humor? Because oftentimes when you open up in that way, your humanity is at the table. We were talking about bringing our full selves to work. Mm -hmm. When we bring our humanity to work, yeah. that starts to get people to say, okay, I can share with her what what it is that, I, that I'm really struggling with, just that you know I've had a rough day today and I can't get to this. Uh, and she'll understand because she's yeah she's demonstrated that you know there is a human side to her. Uh, there is a leader, an executive leader, who begins meetings by telling people, "I want to apologize in advance if I don't say your name properly." I grew up with the name John. John's not his name, but he says you know he grew up mm -hmm. with the name John, and no one taught me how to pronounce John. Everyone knows how to pronounce John, so please forgive me. And every time I hear him say that, hmm. I appreciate it because it sounds silly, but he's acknowledging that it's important that I say your name correctly. Right. And I'll do my best. I'm not making excuses, but hey, I grew up with a name like John. What do you expect a guy with a name like John? Right. I'll struggle to say Pratima, but I'll get it right the 15th time. And he doesn't say it that way, but he simply says, you know, I grew up with the name John. And the moment he says that, everybody kind of, it it it, it sets a tone that he is mm -hmm. in this position of decision making. And yet he brings his true self and true value while still saying, I value your name, Pratima, and I'll do my best to say it correctly. And I find that's important. It's a learned skill, but we could all mm -hmm. learn a little bit of humor. Yeah. Well, and I, it's interesting that you were talking about, you know, how this has changed a lot during the pandemic, because you do, you see, you have these windows, and I've talked about this before, you have these windows into other people's lives, these screens, these cameras are windows into the lives of the people that you work with that you never would have. I mean, you're seeing my messy man cave office right now, which is my podcast space, because it's the quietest pace in my house. Um, and so probably no children and or cats are going to come in or chickens or all of the other things that show up during my work meetings typically. But that's really, you know, you've we've kind of been forced to bring more of our whole selves. Mm -hmm. But then I think there's also a part of a lot of us and I will be, you know, I'm one of these people who feels embarrassed about it sometimes or concerned that people are going to take me less seriously or not think that I'm. You know, You'll be fine. Not... You're a straight white guy. You live in the suburbs. Everyone <laughs> takes you seriously. Let's move on. <laughs> Don't worry. Everyone except me. Well, <laughs> you know, we'll work on that. And for everything else we can't work with, go to a therapist. That's moving. I on. do lots, lots of that. <laughs> um, 
But, it, you know, I, mean, that, uh, I have to say that that exact piece, the straight white middle-aged guy with a, you know, with a important title and job stuff, like, I don't want people to take me as seriously as they do sometimes. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, right? For you to find that balance is, is you bringing your full self to work. I'm not saying, mm-hmm. therefore, we should be opening our joke books and doing a little prep before every meeting. I'm saying that if you're sitting in a meeting and something pops up in your head that might be a silly comment, as long as it's respectful, as long as it's not derogatory and calling someone out, Feel free to share it, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I, I have said this numerous times. When I hear somebody sharing with me something silly, then I realize that they're not coming at this work table with just a work agenda. They actually care about sharing mm-hmm. their joy about, I don't know, a silly drink that they had yesterday or a podcast they heard or whatever it is, because we do have life (laughs) and our lives do intersect with our work and we can't, it's not a switch that can be turned on and off, Adam. I I can't do that. So I, I feel that it's important to find a little bit of balance. And if you find balance and humor, why not? And it's a practice, of course, because many of us have put up all these guards and, and barriers and things like that, right? Oh, yeah. And, and and so you feel that, oh, my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to really, you know, bring, suddenly I'm being asked to tell a joke. I can't. I'm not saying that that's what you should practice. <laughs> what I'm sharing is that if you think about the way you react to to a funny situation, if you enjoy it, and if you'd like to share that, you know, something going on made you think of something funny, feel free to. Why not? Right? The humor about the gentleman saying, I grew up with a name like John, no one taught me how to say a name like Protima. Right? It's a it's a nice, kind way mm-hmm. to say, I'm, I'm going to do my best. Do I forgive him for mispronouncing my name? No, no, I, I don't think that's what I'm doing. I'm not giving him a, a, mm-hmm. a clear pass. Right. right. And he's actually saying, I'm going to try to learn your name. But if I right. take a wee longer, it's because I got a name like John. Right. right. And uh, it's just it's just those, those little things that come in your way uh, in your daily work that people need to start to remember. Those are important things. The times when we began shelter in place and working from home, mm-hmm. we all were scrambling. Oh my God, do I have to turn on my camera? Oh, I don't have a space. What 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 is going to look? And fourteen months later, we don't really care. You see my my bicycle, my husband's bicycles. I see a man cave. Whatever. This is who I am. This is me yeah. bringing myself. Right and. I'm not asking everyone to whatever their life. Please don't get me wrong. Do not whatever your work life, it pays your rent. Clean it up. Do what you need to. But there are times when you need to whatever your life, just to kind of demonstrate (laughs) to the people that you're working with that you too, you too have a lighting problem in your house or you didn't get dinner on the table so the kids are bringing down the house to help you God. Yeah. Whatever it may be, right? Yeah, and it's interesting. I think that that 
the isolation from that of kids going to school, parents going to work. And I think this is particular, obvious for parents in this time. I mean, I know that we're both parents, you know, uh, different age scales, I believe, but you know, similar, you know, it's still, you're still, you know, you got kids at home and you're trying to work and you're trying to do stuff. And, you know, people noting that, and, and definitely that's been a very humorous part of my day many times. I mean, you know, I have a five-year-old, the number of Mm -hmm. times she's come down in the middle of meetings and just crawled in my lap and said, hi, Mm -hmm. I lost count. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and the first couple times it freaked me out. And then I was like, all right, well, I can still have my meeting with her there. Can you imagine that? How how that happens? That whole transition. And I feel also, to your point, if you are leading a team in those meetings and you mm-hmm. are the person running those meetings and you welcome your child and your messy mm-hmm. backgrounds into your work, Everybody yeah. at that table with you, the virtual table, the Hollywood squares, or as I call it, the Bollywood squares that we see, <laughs> everybody says, oh, okay. I mean, it's fine. You know, Adam's little kiddo was running around. And I I feel like we we also get those little windows, especially when we are leading something. We get those little mm-hmm. windows to lead with our humanity first. And yeah. that that really changes um, one of the things that I've asked a lot of people, do you start your meetings with some sort of an icebreaker check-in? And people say, well, we know mm-hmm. everybody on the team and it's just a 45-minute meeting. Yes, and yet. And yet. Nope. Right? <laughs> I actually have been this, this is something I, it's something I talk about on the podcast. My My goal is to have a significant portion of every meeting starting, but also like you need that to work effectively with people. You need to actually show and see the humanity. And actually like if everything is so wooden and dry, like I don't want to talk to people like that all the time. Sometimes I have to, like if you hear me talking to a vendor about something, like you'll think I'm the biggest jerk you've ever heard. But especially if it's a vendor I'm not happy with. But yeah. like with teams that I work with, it's a totally different picture. And it's like, these are people I spend a lot of time with. I want to have nice conversations with them. I want to know what's going on in their lives. And I want them to know that I give a crap about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I I also feel that it, to me, what I find humor does is that it it suddenly allows me also to remember that in this process I get better and better if I share with them what it is that I enjoy so that when they're coming to work with me or for me they know some of the pieces that are important and everybody starts to learn how to get into that comfortable mode and mm-hmm. oftentimes if if people are comfortable at work, then they actually get to say, wait a minute, I just want to say, I think there's a different direction we can take this in. Mm-hmm. Because there, there isn't really this weird barrier or this seriousness, right? Don't get me wrong. If there are deliverables that people are not meeting, if there are challenges that we have not had people overcome, 
I don't lose my hat of having to put forward a product or a final deliverable. I do find time to say, I need to talk with you. Let's find a way to help you succeed. What came in the way? Why couldn't we get this done yesterday? That, right. and that's the other thing, balancing that role with making sure that, you know, just because you're being silly about something, it doesn't mean that you're not serious about work. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, totally. I mean, it's it's very, and I know that that is very tough for a lot of folks. Yes. I think that that is a very tricky line to play because, you know, you're put in a position sometimes where you have some authority or theoretical control over something, a product, a process, a yep. project, yep. a yep. department, yep. whatever it is. And you have to make sure that you're meeting those requirements, you know, whatever they are, whether they're self-set or externally set, you've got to make sure you're meeting them. And it can be very hard if you feel the humanity of the people that you work with and you feel for them yeah. and you're an empathetic person yeah. to then say, yeah. hey, you got to tighten this up. Yeah. But on the other hand, I have found in my work that actually the humor can help a lot as you mentioned, and also that actually, if you're willing and able to do that after you've developed that relationship of mutual humanity and understanding, it's more effective. If you're just a jerk who's like, hey, you're not doing a good job, it it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for you, if you're in a room, of course, now in this weird virtual room, right? Sometimes, sometimes thinking about what are people thinking about me as a person who is responsible for this outcome and how are they going to relate to me asking for deliverables that were due yesterday? All of that also starts to make us feel that if, if I'm silly, uh, if I'm flippant about something, will they take me less seriously? Right. And that's something that's important also, right? Because otherwise, um, people, People might think that as I'm sharing this with you, that I'm not a serious leader, that I don't get serious stuff done. And, you know, while I was at yeah. the same job that you and I shared, I had a published case. Does that mean that I, I can't crack jokes? I sure can. You just have to. But but it's not that I come to work with a bunch of jokes and punchlines in my pocket. That's the other thing, right? This is not prepping for SNL night. This is start to look around you at your workplace and find those moments where you can genuinely feel like something is fun to talk about, something is silly to talk about, right? It's just it's just that. And it, right. you don't have to be super funny or born with a funny bone to be able to say something that's silly. And you have to practice. But in our workplace, no one tells us to practice those things. You know, they call all of this stuff soft skills, empathy, customer service, learning to bring your whole self to work. These are all supposedly soft skills. I ask you, Adam, if I am not empathetic towards my coworker and the product that we're working on fails, Good luck calling that a soft skill because when a product fails, the bottom line profit to the company is impacted. 
So it worries me that we call these things soft skills. You know, empathy, leadership, humor, all of these are not soft skills. They're critical backbones and foundations of workplaces, especially right now when we're finding it, we're finding it hard to connect with our co-workers, when people who are leading projects are seeing people quitting in droves, leadership is being questioned, all of that. How do you repair that? You repair that by going down to the basics, which is you as a straight white man don't get to talk about karma with me. I got dibs on that. (laughs) Well, I think also, you know, it's interesting. Like, I often think of these things not even as skills. I mean, certainly you can develop them, but I often think of them sometimes as attributes of mm-hmm. people and, and, and attributes of people that one can choose to highlight and allow and be, be present with, as, as we were talking about, in the workplace or attributes that people can choose to suppress because they think that's the right thing to do. Um, yes. And hold that thought because think about what happens when you create that community where these attributes are welcomed, right? You have to create that community, the community where you criticizing work product is important, as important as you finishing your deliverable, as important as you being silly, as important as you being empathetic. We rarely find time to connect like that at work. And I I know that, you know, our intention here is not to, you know, just give a treat- treatise on what works at work. No, I'm sharing just that, you know, in the context how you and how, in the context of how you and I know each other, right? We know each other as coworkers who became friends and who remain friends. And in that context, something that I found powerful, I'm sharing with you as my work buddy, former work buddy, who's now my buddy. Yeah, I don't know. makes sense. Well, and it's funny because. I mean, you, you've mentioned that you've listened to this podcast and you can, it, it, you can tell that most of the people that have been on this, some are just my friends from years and years, but many are people very much like yourself or people that I worked with and that espoused some of these same attributes, some of these same principles that I am still friends with because I found working with them and engaging with them really wonderful and something that I wanted to continue to do even when that work context disappeared because they brought those attributes to work. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a very important statement that you made because I think very few of us are lucky enough to have been in workplaces where we've also ended up making friends with our colleagues. And some of the things that you know, in, especially here in the United States, we, I moved here after having worked and lived in India and our workplaces at that time. Yes, I'm very old. I will just leave it at that. No, oh, yeah. A number. Uh, but at that time, uh, you know, <laughs> our workplaces in India were like family and we were all in each other's business more than we needed to be or whatever. And then I moved to this country and everyone is so compartmentalized about work and school and home and personal mm-hmm. friendships and it took me a long time to try to to try to bring my full self to work yet have people know that I am interested in delivering a product and I'm damn good at delivering it so 
you know, help you, God. You hired me, I'll, I'll deliver, no problem. But I'm not going to suppress who I am every single day and have to wait for, you know, the 7 p.m. when I leave home, work or 5 p.m., whatever it is, to be my whole self. No. And I think that you and I are lucky in that sense that we've been in workplaces where we've had other colleagues like that. And I want people to think about the value of a workplace colleague who then you end up having a friendship with and learning from. That's why I listened to your podcast. I'm like, wait, I haven't connected with him in so long. And I heard the podcast. I'm like, dang, this is awesome. I really, you know, because otherwise, otherwise, I'm, I'm not saying you go to work to make friends. That's not what I'm trying to say, right? I'm saying because we spend so no, much time at no. work, right? We spend so much time at work. It, it, it's so difficult. I can't turn off the color of my skin or my accent, which people have used all kinds of labels for or whatever, right? I can't turn all that off because if I do, then I'm always paying attention to, oh, don't speak with an accent or, you know, don't let them notice the color of your skin as being the first thing when you walk through the door. I'm like, dude, how many of my attributes can I hide at home? I'm done. You got, you hired me. This is who you get. I'll do the work and I'll be damn good at doing it. Make no mistake. But there are some things I value, honesty, friendship, and humor. And that's yeah. not going away. Yeah. Well, and I think that it is, it is that we're lucky. And I think it's also that I do think that there's an aspect of people end up in those situations partially because of those attributes. So they end up in those jobs, in those places of workplaces where sometimes we all go through some pretty difficult things as we, we all did um, when we worked together. And, but we do forge those friendships and those relationships and those circumstances. And I think that those are really important to, I try to maintain them if I can, and it's, it's hard. Um, And in particular, I think, for me, the pandemic brought bought even more of that out, you know, being alone in my house, you know, not alone with my family, but seeing the same three or four people exclusively for like six months, you know, for somebody who frankly is a bit of an extrovert, which is unusual in my profession, is hard. And it made me think about, hey, there are all these friends that I used to make at work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, th- th- that's the other thing, right? I, I always say, uh, you know, I love my family mostly. And people are like, like, no, you know exactly what I'm saying. And if you are not able to get to the point where you say you love your family mostly, then good for you because you have that weird utopian type of family where you want them around you all the freaking time right I, I i was i was thinking about a time when my husband and i when we were living in southern california we had five sets of friends who were all going to have babies around the same time as us and about a year and a half uh our our babies are or maybe they were still crawling so like 10 months or so we all got together after we've had our babies and it's the husband wife and the kiddos are hanging out some one of the husbands started to ask hey how has your wife changed since she gave birth and we're talking of course we're all 
you know, heteronormative, boring husband-wife type of people with everybody had babies after having conceived babies. Um, and one of the things that I kind of remember from that conversation was every single husband ended up praising their wife, how amazing she is, how loving she is, how much she can do. And then comes the turn of mine, <laughs> love of my life mostly. And when he gets the chance, mind you, four men have gone before him and they've praised their wives to no end. So the man needs to get a freaking hint. But no, he says, oh, Pratima, since she gave birth, she's very short-tempered and I can't seem to get anything right. She's always losing it. And I'm like, this is, this is, he's sitting right next to me. So I'm like, trying to jab him, trying to be silly <laughs> about it. But he's just going at him like, dude, this is not your therapy session. This is not where you bear your bones. And we get in the car and I look at him like, what on earth? Of course, I didn't say those kind words. You can fill in whatever the blanks you want. No, no, no. And he, he looks at me and he goes, babe, none of those fellows are having that wonderful, utopian, amazing time. They're, they're, just, they're just being silly. They're just trying to toe their wives' lines. If any of them at home really have that patient, wonderful, amazing life with their 10-month-old toddler, I want to know their secret. And we had a good laugh about it. And I'm like, you know, that, that's, that's to me, that's, that's important to understand, right, to how, where and how you bring, your, bring what, what is important. But I laugh about it today because that moment I was losing it. I was losing it thinking, oh, my God, you had one chance to praise your wife and you're just throwing her under the bus and then digging, you know, a hole and throwing her inside that hole. <laughs> like, can you stop, husband? But no. And then, you know, just just learning from those types of experiences in your life and knowing that there's no point in, in being yeah. all serious and whatever. Anyway, that had nothing to do with the workplace. But, yeah, I thought of that right now. That's fine. It's fine. Um, I think we're about wrapping up anyways. Um, we've recorded for about 30 minutes. But Yeah. And you know, one thing I would, want... I would definitely say that you, as we think about how do we demystify our workplaces in a way that we can connect with our coworkers and not be in their personal spaces, humor has helped me. Uh, it has helped me build a bridge with people. It has also helped me learn wh where it is that I find not really uh, ice-breaking moments, but moments for me to lay bare the fact that, you know, this this is how I'm looking at this situation. I'm coming at it from a silly place right now because all of this seems to be, you know, happening so fast like one of the things i always say when someone says so this is a project that's very important i say yeah i know it was due yesterday and they go what no it was due five days ago i said oh okay this is the 1952 project and they're all like what are you doing and i i always tell them i'm, I'm just trying to tell myself yes we are trying to come out from behind in this project and we, we, we must understand that there are ways for us to place it in a funny context so that we remember that this is a deliverable that was due a long time ago. So let's talk about it and let's work on it as if our life depends on it. 
But if I say, let's work on it as if our life depends on it as the opening, everyone's like, what? Okay. Right? So it's just silly things like that. But yeah. it's worked for me. I don't know if it works for other people, but it's worked for me. That's good. Well, thank you so much for being on and for, for taking the time to chat with me beforehand and and hopefully even afterwards. I really appreciate your your humor and being able to reconnect, which is half of the reason I do this anyways. Yeah, I thought, oh my God, this man came up with the best idea. He makes it sound like it's the podcast that he wants, but he actually has all these friendship dates that he's setting his friends up on. Like I, I told everybody, like I have to get on the phone with Adam for half an hour, and they're going, "What are you? What are you going to talk about?" I don't know. Well, I'm just going to get on the phone with him now. You know, I'm like, okay, this exactly. is his plan to stay connected with the world. This was good. I'm so glad we talked. It's been forever.